Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Will Sloan, and you're listening to The Important Cinema Club, and today we're talking about something very important. It's The Three Stooges. Curly Joe Dorita, Joe Besser, Ted Healy, they will all be discussed. So The Three Stooges are a group of entertainers that are very important in your life, aren't they, Will? Oh, yeah. And yours, too? Uh, yeah. The yeah. Three Stooges were always something that my dad found hilarious, which is something that you hear a lot when you bring up the topic with people our age, right? Where they're like, oh yeah, my dad loved this. They were a huge boomer phenomenon mm-hmm. on TV after school all the time. I don't know. I, they were still on TV when I was a kid, and I think that's probably tapered off a little bit. Yeah. Know? I had a life where I would have to wake up at six in the morning and dr- be driven to an entire different town once a week uh, to go to my mom's house from my dad's place. And that's when they would put the Three Stooges on, on the Cartoon Network at like 6 a.m. in the morning, or Teletoon to be uh, its Canadian uh, version. (laughs) My first exposure to the Three Stooges was uh, with Shemp. Uh, I got a cheap uh, VHS tape at Toys R Us that had some of the later Shemp era shorts. I believe they were Musty Musketeers, Husbands Beware, and Wham Bam Slam. If someone listening doesn't know who the Three Stooges are... Oh, come on. What? what how would you describe them to someone? Oh, uh, they are a group of three bizarre-looking uh, vaudevillians who hit each other a lot. And what would you say to people who would explain to you that they hate the Three Stooges because they are for dummies? I would say uh, that's a very superficial read. And the Stooges, uh, you may be interested to know, uh, the, the self-appointed leader of the trio is uh, Moses Howard. He's a, a bit of a tyrant, I would say, in the group. Then you got uh, the funny fat guy, Curly. And But if you only had those two, it would just be a tragic act about a mean guy beating, that's beating up. up a guy that has mental difficulties. <laughs> yes. So they, they realize, well, we got to have a third guy in there. So we have Larry. No one's favorite stooge. Uh, well, he's your favorite stooge if you're the sort of person who claims that Ringo is your favorite Beatle. Uh, Larry, you know, Larry is necessary. Um, he's the uh, he's the balancing act between the two of them. Uh, he's got very wild hair, and mm-hmm. that's about all there is to say about him. But of course, the mortality rate of third stooges was comparable to that of Spinal Tap drummers. <laughs> Um, Except one of them, it's actually real. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Curly, uh, who is with the troupe in films from 1933 to 1946, suffered a debilitating stroke to be replaced by his brother, Shemp. And these two guys, Shemp and Curly, were the actual brother of Mo, the leader of the students. Yes, and Shemp uh, predated Curly and Vaudeville. So let's go back to the beginning and where the Street Stooges came from. Hmm. So you got Mo and you got Curly and Shemp. Hmm. And they're kids that just love to have a fun time. Um, And they also had another friend on the schoolyard, a fellow by the name of Ted Healy. And they would make a show called Ted Healy and the Stooges. Yeah. Uh, And the act, as far as I can tell from video evidence, seems to be that uh, Healy would be on stage and he would try to be a real classy entertainer, but he would constantly be interrupted by these three stooges of his and he would respond by hitting them. And these stooges, like the way that the act would go along is that they would pretend to be audience members and heckle him and then get up on stage and then Healy would smack them around. And uh, several films survive uh, from the early 30s after uh, Shemp had left the act to strike out on his own. He was replaced by Curly. So there are some films, uh, Beer beer and Pretzels, um, Plain Nuts, I think is another one. And they're not that funny. 
No, and they're quite... There's a real cruelty to them, I think. The kind of choreographed uh, mayhem that would become their trademark in the movies doesn't really exist on stage. It's mostly Ted Healy just slapping them in the face. Yeah, I don't don't get it. Ted Healy seems very mean, and I don't like him. Perhaps it was better live. And Ted Healy was mean in real life. Uh, yeah, cheating the Stooges out of money. Um, what ended up happening is that Ted Healy and the Stooges got a contract to make some movies. And they went to some studio, I don't remember who it was, Fox, MGN, someone like that. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is that they did do a project together, Ted Healy and the Stooges, but the studio loved the Stooges, didn't think Ted Healy was such a great draw. So they told Ted, and he went, you know what, that's okay, I don't have a problem with that. And then he turned around and he stabbed the Stooges in the back. It's too bad. So what ended up happening is that Ted Healy had a bit of a career that no one remembers to this day. He was in uh, Mad Love with Peter Lorre and a few others, just being a dick. And then he died in a bar fight. (laughs) (laughs) He died a grim alcoholic's death. (laughs) He went out the way that he treated the Stooges, beaten to death. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's great to laugh at a man's You think the Ted Healy estate is going to come after us? Well, uh, you read a book this week called uh, for The Three Stooges from Amalgamated Morons to American Icons, featuring an introduction by uh, Mel Gibson. Yes, in his... Um, in his pre-toxic era. Yes. This was around... Mel Gibson, in fact, produced a TV movie about the life of the Three Stooges that was appointment viewing for me when the, when it aired. I, I actually like that. Michael uh, Chiklis as Curly, yeah. I, I like that TV movie. It's okay. Yeah. But uh, in the book, I believe the book quotes Ted Healy's son, uh, who is very upset about how... Yeah, very he, defensive. How Healy has gone down in history saying his dad's a first-class vaudevillian, and, you know, perhaps he is. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to see him live on stage. Those uh, records that we have of it probably don't capture the magic, because he was popular, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. So there must have been a reason for that. If you like a smug asshole who's not funny, <laughs> Ted Healy is your man. But moving on, uh, the boys, uh, Curly, Larry, and Moe, uh, signed up with Columbia Pictures, where they became the darlings of their shorts department, producing film after film after film. So the thing about the Three Stooges is that even when they started making shorts for Harry Cohn, who was the king of Poverty Row, which is the very low-budget uh, side of Hollywood. I would say Columbia Pictures at that time was kind of like somewhere between the majors and Poverty Row. And when the Stooges started making shorts, shorts were already on kind of a down slope. Like, they weren't as popular as they were before. Like, the thing about the Three Stooges is that when you think of them, I would often consider them in that, like, golden period of when silent comedy was happening. But no, they came way later right, after that. Right, they're, in, they're sound comedians. Yeah, they're sound comedians. And their shorts, the thing that was happening at the studio at the time was that they kept telling them, shorts are on their way out. Uh-huh. Like, you, we may not need you for the next year. And the Stooges ended up working in shorts for 25 years for Columbia Pictures, mm-hmm. making about eight to 10 shorts a year. And, and during most time, they didn't get a raise and they never saw royalties from their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they did tour extensively at the height of their fame. Supposedly because that's the only way they could make enough of a wage that's, to keep going. That's incredibly sad. They're, you know, just not great businessmen. What can you say? Well, Mo Howard has talked about how he just loved doing comedy and doing it for the cameras. And it was something that he was very passionate about. And he was constantly terrified that Columbia 
would cancel their contracts, which if he had just left when they were at their most popular, they could have just gone to somewhere else. They would have been happy to take them. Well, I know they were very upset that they uh, didn't get to make feature films. And in fact, they did make a couple of features, you know, throughout their years. Uh, uh, Swing Parade and uh, Rockin' Through the Rockies <laughs> is another one, but they were not successes. Have you ever seen Rockin' Through the Rockies? No, I have not. It's kind of interesting. It's it's not very good, but it's kind of an attempt to reposition them as... Because uh, you think, like, how can the Stooges sustain a feature film? And this one tries to do it by basically making it a Marx Brothers movie. So, like, Moe is Groucho, and uh, Curly and Larry are, are a team together, kind of like uh, Chico and Harpo. And it's funny, right? Classic? You know, not very good. But, you know, I'll watch, I'll watch anything with the Stooges. <laughs> So let's talk about this golden era, the curly era. This is what people remember about the Three Stooges. Yeah. It's these shorts. Why are the Three Stooges funny to you? Because there's a visceral reaction to what's going on, whether it's them slapping themselves in the face or poking themselves in the eye. That makes me just laugh kind of uncontrollably. It's not even a like, that is a smart joke. I understand laugh. It's a laugh that comes out of me without any kind of control. Yes, it's just a fucking punch in the gut laugh it's like seeing one of your friends trip and fall and land on their face i'm often uh, amused by the sheer uh, grinding inevitability of the films <laughs> so in some of the films we watched there, there is often a scene in which uh, some... i spent two days making this cake <laughs> yeah or uh there's one and i think it's a missed fortune when a guy uh shows the stooges this ming vase and says gentlemen this ming vase is worth five thousand dollars that's funnier than the vase being broken because you're just waiting for it right yeah you know it's gonna happen that breaking of the vase probably won't be that funny yeah but them setting it up that's hilarious but sometimes the breaking of the vase is funny so well that cake bit the best part about it is that whole short becomes about that cake yeah. where the guy's like fuck i can't believe i was able to find another cake and the three stooges crash into them and that short ends with the three stooges hired to make that guy a cake okay so this short the one he's talking about is called an ache in every steak and it's one of the classics a great film and it begins with the stooges as a uh, ice man delivering ice to a place and this place happens to be at the top of a hill with a big staircase so they spend the first half of the short basically like trying to transport ice up the stairs before it melts and because by the time it gets to the top it's a tiny cube okay so that's that you know that's moderately funny but what's really funny is them falling down the stairs or dropping their ice so that it hits the guy with the cake <laughs> the stream of consciousness logic of the short is that they go inside the mansion at the top of the stairs and they accidentally mess up what the cook there was making because once they burst through the door the cook instantly tries to kill them throwing the, knives the at cook them. is so angry at them just homicidal madness <laughs> So, of course, the cook is dealt with in some way, uh, but the the wealthy dowager who owns the house, the boys offer to make dinner for her in lieu of the cook. And she says, oh, that's fine. We're having a party in here. Yeah, you can make my meal. Yeah. And then uh, so the logic of that is suspect. (laughs) And then pretty soon they're guests at the party (laughs) dancing with people. Yep. It all leads to them uh, wheeling in a cake, which explodes. <laughs> we should talk specifically about the characters of Mo, Larry, and Curly, because the scenarios change from episode to episode. Sometimes they're car mechanics. Sometimes they are like race car drivers, sure. boxers, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. But the characters are concrete. You got Mo. He's the leader of the group. Yeah. He gets angry and he usually starts these slapping and hitting. Well, in fairness, people say Mo is a bully, but he's often at the receiving end of a lot of incompetence. Uh, but he is also incompetent himself. Yes. In fact, 
possibly. Well, I was going to say possibly more incompetent than the others, but I actually don't think that's true. Yeah, he seems to have a little bit more of a guiding principle. You'll notice that Larry and Curly don't often talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They talk to Mo. But there's a scene in Higher Than a Kite when uh, Mo gets his head stuck in a pipe. And uh, that leaves Larry and Curly amongst themselves to figure out what to do with it. And so they keep saying things like, hey, if we heat it, it'll slip off. Or uh, what? We got to hit it with this sledgehammer and it'll come up. Or we got to we got to twist it. And then he'll and, you know, with predictably disastrous results. <laughs> Mo being like, what smells like it's cooking? Oh, God, it's me. <laughs> yeah. I'll murder you. Got, like there are these close up shots of him inside the pipe going, I'll murder you. <laughs> This is maybe the funniest stretch of film I've ever seen. Just them trying to get Moe's head out of a pipe. (laughs) But then you have Curly, who while Moe is more anger and he's dealing stuff out, Curly is reacting to situations. And that's where it's funny. Curly uh, is kind of like a goldfish. He doesn't doesn't have much knowledge of anything beyond what he's doing at this exact moment. (laughs) And he gets angry, but he doesn't get angry like Moe does. He kind of goes like, ruff, ruff, ruff. You know. So no it, one can hear that. I just slap my head like Curly. So uh, in my all-time favorite Stooge short, A Plumbing We Will Go, uh, there's a scene when he's trying to fix a leak in the shower upstairs. So of course he puts a pipe in the leak, and he's really happy with himself until he sees that the water is still coming out the other end, and he goes, <laughs> and then he puts another pipe on that on the end. And he's happy until he sees, oh, water's still coming out the other end. So he keeps putting on more and more pipes until he's trapped in a cage. So this is a good time to bring up the fact that when people think of the Three Stooges, they just think of, they slap each other, right? Yeah. Well, I think that there's also a surrealism to everything that they do. Oh, definitely. And that's what really makes it funny. You know, I think we both watched a couple of the colorized versions of their shorts. Not as funny as the black and white ones. Not as funny because the black and white, you know, it's like Fred Astaire said that he liked black and white because it highlighted just the purity of the dance and it's the same with the stooges really it's like just pure comedy and uh there's an unreal quality to black and white whereas if it's if it's in color it just looks like kind of a I was so distracted by Moe's hairline yeah exactly. in the color because it's like whoa you can really see it yeah while in black and white no problem. Then we have Larry. Who cares about Larry? Uh, I like the way that Larry looks in the background when he's reacting to stuff. Larry was famous as an actor who couldn't remember his lines and didn't really care about what he was doing. He just wanted to bet on the horses and have himself a good time. Every comedy team has one. Dean Martin, Oliver Hardy. They mm-hmm. all had one guy who liked to bet on the horses. Exactly. And then we have Shemp. Now, we have a really... <laughs> oh, Mo. <laughs> Talked about Shemp because he came later in the Stooges kind of classic era right and will said it best when i started talking about shemp when we were watching all these shorts for this podcast he went you know a real stooges fan learns to love shemp that's when a stooge fan becomes a man because the thing about shemp is he's not curly because while curly had this kind of childlike innocence to everything shemp is like an old man reacting in terror for his life and you can see why kids you know instinctively love curly yeah and then shemp is like ugh. Shemp has a bit of a Kramer quality to him, I think. <laughs> yeah, he does. You, you were pointing out uh, in, in the film Brideless Groom, when a woman puts Shemp's head in a vice, <laughs> yes. li- like in Casino. <laughs> yeah, terrifying. <laughs> and she's, and he, like, she's Curly would head. be like, whoop, 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 while Shemp is like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Shemp moans for his life. You know, Brideless Groom is a great film because it's just 
nonstop assault on Shemp's body. You remember the scene when he goes to this woman's door to try to propose to her, and she doesn't know who he is, and she she brings him in and says, oh, Cousin Basil, I can't believe it's you. And then she finds out it's not Cousin Basil. She literally starts punching him over and over again until she literally punches him out the door. Shemp was known as, like, the funniest of the Stooges. Um, for the people that knew them in real life. He yeah. does have a very rubber face. He's very funny. Yes, I mean, there's, there's nobody else like him. I mean, the thing about Curly, Larry, and Moe is it's like, there's something just perfectly balanced about it. You got the bald guy who's pure id. <laughs> you got the one with the crazy hair. Yeah, and you got the you got the leader with the bull cut. Um, mm-hmm. And with, with Shemp, he looks a little too much like Moe. It's like Shemp has that like long wavy haircut as well, right? Which looks awful. <laughs> it does. It's just like greasy and terrible. <laughs> and if people are wondering what happened to Curly, like we mentioned, he uh, had a stroke or multiple strokes while he was making the shorts. The, you know, the last year of Curly shorts, like 1946, are brutal. <laughs> he no longer has any energy. He looks he looks like he's lost a lot of weight. Uh, just his doesn't... last appearance basically passed out in a seat on a train. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He, yeah, he a full head of hair. He appeared briefly in a Shemp era episode in a cameo. Uh, the, his final canonical Stooge film, Half Wits Holiday, is interesting because he collapsed during the making of it, and so the last five minutes of it are completely curly free. <laughs> and it's just like Mo and Larry throwing pies at each other, and you know in the back of their minds is fear for Curly's life. <laughs> so Mo was the leader of the Stooges, like I've said multiple times In before. real life as well. Yeah, because he actually had them curly and Larry sign off the rights of the Three Stooges to him. And he also had Curly sign a document after he had a stroke. Yeah. That was like, I hope you feel better. I'm really praying for your return. But, but in the event that you don't recover, I would like to own uh, the, the rights to your name and image. And in fact, this led to a big lawsuit, I think, in the 90s. Yeah, Curly's the, children. Yeah, with and with like Moe's elderly widow <laughs> being, <laughs> being being like hauled into court. And You know who was uh, uh, the lawyer for Curly's children? No. Bella Lugosi Jr. <laughs> really? An absolutely true. How is guy. there not a TV movie about that? And also what's interesting is somehow that lawsuit ended up with um, the official third stooge is Curly Joe Dorita <laughs> in terms of rights issues. Oh, I think it's because like Curly and Mo were brothers. So I don't know. For, but Curly Joe Dorita is not. Well, we're going to talk about Curly Joe okay. Dorita in a little while. Excuse me. Because I want to talk. We're still in the classics period because the three stooges... They made somebody angry while they were making their shorts. And that man was Adolf Hitler. Oh, yeah. So this is a story that usually when you do research about the Three Stooges, pops up to the top. Because what ended up happening is that the Three Stooges, in one of their shorts, they uh, made fun of Hitler's Germany. And in fact, they beat uh, Charlie Chaplin to the punch by a few months. Mm -hmm. Although uh, the Stooges film, You Nasty Spy, went mostly unnoticed, I think. And supposedly what happened was that at the time, the Hayes Code, which was the censorship board um, was really hard on people who were making fun or trying to demonize Nazis because mm. they said it wasn't fair. The U.S. was not in the war yet. Exactly. Mm. And but because the Stooges were making shorts, nobody was really noticing. Mm-hmm. So they were able to go along with it. And you Nazi spy has Mo Howard like he gets the Hitler mustache at one <laughs> point and he becomes a crazed dictator. Moronica for morons. The, the, the plot is that basically uh, the, the, the puppet masters of Moronica decide they need just a stooge, if you will, to uh, yeah, to because be they want the country to be in war because then they get profits, right? Which is a very prescient, uh... <laughs> yep. So they get a Donald Trump like figure in this case, Mo Howard, yeah, 
and his stooges, and it ends with them being eaten by lions. Uh, but this short, in fact, was, I think, the favorite of Mo, mm-hmm. and possibly also of Curly. Probably because it actually had some kind of impact to the people that watched it. It had some satir- uh, satirical point, and of course, the stooges were Jewish in real life, so I'm sure it... Uh... It was very important for them. I mean, the three yeah. stooges, as far as they're considered for dum-dums by stupid people, you also have the fact that one of their shorts was Oscar-nominated. Ah, uh, yes, Men in Black. I think their third film. Uh, yep. So they worked for Columbia for 25 years and their shorts just got worse as they went along. Well, in the 50s, uh, because of budget cutbacks, many of the Shemp shorts were remakes of earlier Shemp shorts where it'd be like 10 minutes of stock footage and five minutes of newly shot footage. There was a point where Street Stooges were really popular that they were still telling Mo, we're going to have to cut down your stuff. But theaters to book a Stooges short had to play Columbia Picture movies, like B-Pictures. And Mo had no idea that this was happening. That's very sad. Getting back to what's funny about the Three Stooges, one thing I appreciate about them is there is a rigorous internal logic to their comedy. Um, If you hit Curly on the head with a crowbar, it will always bend the crowbar. Uh, Curly will only say, nyak, 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 if he said something that he thinks is funny. And then Mo will react to it. Right. Curly and Larry don't really talk to each other. They talk through Mo. And I know people have accused the Stooges of being mean, but uh, I don't think it's mean because, uh, first of all, they all get hurt. They always beat each other up. And they also don't like it when other people beat up on each other. They are allies. So like in You you Nasty Spy, uh, when one of the people says Mo can be the dictator, Mo says, I only do things with my pals. Like they're in it together. Yeah, and they obviously care about each other. So these horrifying beatings that includes eye being gouged (laughs) out or in one instant, a spike going into Mo's head. (laughs) Go, Go on YouTube and look up Three Stooges' most violent scene ever. It's a thing of beauty. It all comes from a place of love. Like the Three Stooges genuinely love each other. Yes. As characters and as real people. They would never say it. There's even a scene in Brideless Groom uh, when Mo kisses Larry, but then when somebody sees him, he slaps him and says, cut it out. (laughs) Also, you know, the Three Stooges films are not just violence. Many of them are are rich in wordplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Puns, which Mo does not like, (laughs) which includes a slap usually if someone says a pun. Uh, I was reading a book called The Three Stooges Scrapbook, which made a case for kind of the directors of the films. It said that uh, Charlie Chase, who is uh, a big star in the silent era, and Edward Burns were very interested in kind of more elaborate slapstick uh, wordplay. Jules White, who was responsible for a lot of their later movies, was into sadism. He <laughs> yeah. liked really brutal, violent gags. Yeah, them just beating each other across the yeah. face until like they can't even stand up anymore. Yeah, and that's good. Oh, I watched an interesting one this week, a Shempira one called Cuckoo on a Choo Choo. Have you ever seen it? No. This was uh, is apparently considered by some to be the worst Three Stooges short, but it was Larry's favorite. And it's because Larry in it uh, plays a Marlon Brando type. (laughs) And he's got like the the torn shirt and he like speaks mumbly and everything. And the whole movie is set on one like railway car. Shemp is in it as a drunkard and he hallucinates a bird. Uh, And all three of them are kind of not playing their usual roles. And it's well worth looking into. Cuckoo on a choo-choo. If you can endure it, I recommend it. So Shemp as a person in real life was terrified of going to the doctor. He was he was like a hypochondriac. He thought he was going to be dead at any moment. And he died 
at 60 something years old just riding in a car yeah and uh they still had a few years left on their contract so they replaced him with a uh, beloved vaudevillian joe besser another fat guy and so people don't really remember joe besser as being a three stooge why is that because he didn't like being hit and he had it in his contract that he couldn't be hit so oftentimes in the shorts mo will raise a fist and uh Joe Besser will say one of his catchphrases, not so hot or not so fast. So are there Three Stooges fanatics who love the Joe Besser era? What I'll say about Joe Besser, first of all, the answer is no. (laughs) Uh, What I'll say about Joe Besser is that unlike Curly Joe Dorita, who we'll get to, uh, Joe Besser brought something of himself to the act. He was like a big comedian at the time, right? And he had his own persona. Yeah, he's probably best remembered, if at all, uh, for... Uh, his role on the Abbott and Costello show as Stinky, the neighborhood kid. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't like him very much. He worked with the Stooges for two years. Yeah. (laughs) Sadly, he did not die as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the official story was that he couldn't join them in personal appearances because his wife uh, was suffering from an illness, but I actually don't think that's true. Yeah, he probably just didn't want to, you know, do anything more with them. Because the Stooges... They were getting old, right? Yeah. But they still needed money. So uh, in the late 50s, they were booted unceremoniously from Columbia. Most talks about it in the book that I read, that it was the final day of shooting. They knew it was the final day of shooting. And there was no party. Nobody said goodbye. Nothing. They left that day. And Mo came back to get his stuff and to say goodbye to everybody on the lot and say thank you for all the time that you've given us. And the guard at the gate said, I'm sorry, you're done. You can't come back in. (laughs) That is unbelievably sad. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, so it looked like an unceremonious retirement, but the shorts were sold to television. Very cheaply. Very cheaply. Of course, uh, the boys didn't get a dime from any of it, uh, but somebody did because they were on every TV station. Every town after school had a Three Stooges show. And the Three Stooges shorts were perfect because they were like 15, 18 minutes, so you could put commercials and you got yourself a half hour block right there yeah or, or do do an hour do two curlies and a shem so the three students got in a situation where they wanted to keep touring but to do that they need a third stooge preferably a fat guy a bald guy? bald guy one who perhaps looked like the guy who was on tv every day preferably someone who's just as energetic as curly uh, nope because nope. <laughs> they got curly joe <laughs> So, who is Curly Joe, Will? Uh, Curly Joe is Joe Dorita, uh, a vaudevillian from way back. Rather undistinguished vaudevillian, I would say. Sorry to all the Curly Joe fans out there. <laughs> There's no Curly Joe fans uh, out there. In fact, Curly Joe worked briefly at Columbia or at the same time as the Stooges in, I think, the late 40s, early 50s. He had his own series of shorts, but it didn't last long because he sucked. <laughs> so, One of them was called Slappily Married. <laughs> imagine how energetic Curly was, and then kind of just flip that in your mind <laughs> to how boring Curly Joe is. So imagine you're a boomer kid in the early 60s and you're so excited because the Stooges are in town. They're they're performing and you got these three guys but they're they're older than the guys on TV and also the funny fat guy has no energy anymore. He kind of talks like this all the time. And his catchphrases include uh, such gems as "Hey there, buddy boy." <laughs> <laughs> but there's a famous photo that happened in our home and native city, Toronto, mm-hmm. where the Stooges came to the exposition that happens every summer, right? Yeah, the CNE. And they sold it out. 
they broke an attendance record. It was something like 70,000 people. And there's this great photo of just like the bleachers packed with these three tiny geriatric men in like in, in the middle of it. I, I've heard I've heard like I think my dad went. I think I wonder if my dad friends, went too. friends of his went. It must have just been a massive thing at the time. My dad remembers nothing of it. but Because mm-hmm, uh, he would have probably been too young at yeah, the time. Yeah. So. But God, I mean, I would have loved to have gone to that like stooge stock. <laughs> I mean, there's probably stooge stocks that happen right now, but... So, in the 60s, it was a flurry of activity for the Curly Joe-era stooges. They made six feature films. The Three Stooges Meet Hercules. Snow White and the Three Stooges, which was a big Technicolor musical starring an Olympic ice skater. Have Rocket Will Travel. Uh, The Three Stooges in Orbit. You know, they needed to do that space stuff. The Three Stooges Go Around the World in a Daze, directed by Moe's son-in-law, Norman Maurer. Well, Who then also, Norman Maurer also directed... He directed the Curly Joe film that we watched this week, uh, their final theatrically released feature, a, a Western called The Outlaws is Coming. So, this movie, considering it's the last thing the Three Stooges made, not that bad. Yeah, it's pleasant. It's There's not very good. There's actually nothing really funny involving the Stooges. It's mostly like the surreal gags that happen around them. I think- you got Adam West... Yeah. Playing a goofy newspaper man who's made the sheriff of a town that is completely corrupt. And you got the the man who shot Liberty Valance style plot. Yeah. Where the uh, barroom singer who has the hots for Adam West is actually the real gunman who helps Adam West out every time. And in fact, the villain or one of the villains looks a lot like Lee Marvin. He looks exactly like Lee Marvin. Um, And just the general visual style, you know, John Ford talked about how in Liberty Valance, he wanted to go back to his silent era visual style. Mm. And this has that too, perhaps unintentionally. There's a fun uh, opening credit sequence where everybody's names are in stuff that gets shot. Uh, there's a fun little uh, chase that happens at the end of the movie where, yeah. like, a card is falling apart. The th- Three Stooges have one really enjoyable set piece. I think I know what it is. When Mo like, glues himself. Yes. <laughs> and and the, the boys are, like, getting a hammer and a crowbar to try to get, get him and off. And everything yeah. that Mo does just makes it worse. Like, yeah. that is base Three Stooges gag. But for every one of those, there are another five bits, like when uh, when Larry and Curly Joe are hiding in a, in a girl's dormitory and they come out dressed as women. Just kind of tired, lame... <laughs> lame stuff when i interviewed adam west years ago i asked him about what the three stooges were like and he said um like any actors worth their salt they saved it for the camera off screen they were very quiet kept to themselves they'd be happy to talk to you but they saved it for the camera but then when the camera rolled it would be bop conk clang i mean he probably was not talking about curly joe (laughs) but Curly Joe Dorita, as we, I, I was doing some research online, and by that I, met, I mean I asked people on my Facebook what they thought of the Three Stooges, and that someone found a It was quote, me. Yeah, I found it. That Curly Joe Dorita said he thought the Three Stooges were not funny. Yeah, he said, in his quote, he said, uh, I can watch Laurel and Hardy and laugh every time, but whenever I see a Stooge movie and I see that- Is he watching the ones that he was in? Because he sucks. (laughs) If I see that seltzer bottle, I know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, Curly Joe- Uh, What would he know? He's not funny. Uh, They actually did a few things after The Outlaws is coming, though. They did a cartoon show called The New Three Stooges, (laughs) which is fucking garbage. (laughs) And they actually (laughs) shot new live action segments for that. And they are so grim. Do you want to see The Three Stooges in real color? (laughs) Like, on the doors of death? Like, if you squint enough, you'll see uh, the Grim Reaper in the background just waiting for them? You watch those shorts online. And their very last project together was uh, a TV pilot called Cook's Tour. 
where it was them. Uh, the, the conceit was they had retired and they were going to spend the rest of their lives vacationing, basically as platonic friends, I guess. And they didn't even plan the pilot. They just shot it when they went on like a boat tour and went in the woods and stuff like that. And they were hoping that the comedy would come out of just them doing stuff and you know it was what? supposedly it unwatchable i've seen it it's it's whole movies it's fucking it? garbage <laughs> it's terrible uh uh and it, it was the hope was that it would become a tv show but unfortunately larry had a stroke but and... that wasn't quite the end of the stooges because <laughs> in the 70s uh mo howard just wanted to keep working you know he showed up on the mike douglas show a lot uh, he toured college campuses because the boomers by then were in college um and he announced plans uh he curly joe and uh longtime um, character actor Emil sitka who had been in and out of the three stooges kind of sphere since they pretty much started yeah he'd been in tons of movies he was in brideless groom he was the uh just of the piece who says hold hands you love birds in fact that's on his tombstone <laughs> is it yeah his tombstone says emil sitka hold hands you love don't birds. forget emil sitka also the star of <laughs> sam raimi's crime wave the star is generous but he's in it <laughs> and he's in uh sam raimi's the nut house as well <laughs> another three stooges homage what ended up happening is emil sitka joined them but mo howard died before they could do anything and they were going to be in an al adamson movie called blazing stewardess oh my god so it's probably good that mo died and you know they got a perfectly good replacement the ritz brothers to take their place (laughs) could you imagine though if uh if in fact i think curly joe did try to continue the act after uh, mo's death he did he did an outfit called the new three stooges which had a vaudevillian called mousy garner who was kind of the pete best of the stooges (laughs) and it had somebody else but it didn't work out because like who wants to see that? Could you imagine like a three students <laughs> with three old guys who aren't even Mo, Larry, and Curly? <laughs> the only original, is... the most original, is Curly Joe. <laughs> It's unfathomable. Well, so the Three Stooges died an untimely death, one after the other. But the thing that people have to remember is that they were really popular at one time. They may not have been aware of that popularity, but they were still able to have some fruits of those labors. During that 25-year gap that they worked for Columbia, they lived very comfortably. Yeah, they toured America, and in the 60s and 70s, they got to see a whole new generation of fans, and they got to make great films like The Outlaws is Coming. (laughs) So let's talk about one last thing before we get off the Three Stooges, and that is the Three Stooges movie. Oh, the Fairley Brothers, yeah. Yes, so this was a big thing, if anybody remembers. At one point, it was supposed to star Benicio Del Toro, Sean Penn, and Jim Carrey, who would have played the Curly role. Could you imagine? (laughs) Sean Penn as Larry. (laughs) Just the thought of it. So, yeah, they were all apparently, like, uh, in discussion to do it. But it ended up starring uh, Sean Hayes as Larry, uh, Will Sasso as Curly, and uh, Chris Diamantopoulos mm-hmm. is his name. As Mo, uh, Who is an amazing Mo? All three of them, I think, are just excellent. And, and they were the right casting choice because, I mean, going into this movie, I didn't see how it could possibly work. Yeah, like, like you can't recreate that magic, right? It'll yeah. just be, like some guy slapping each other in the face, which is inherently not that funny on the surface yeah. level. Yeah, you need more Larry Curry. But it turns out <laughs> yep. we both are big fans of the Fairly Brothers. The I watched Stooges. it again a week ago. Yeah, me too. That movie is hilarious. That movie is full of like, just like unbelievable, like the scene where they all pose for an iPhone selfie and they all like jump on top of each other. <laughs> yes. Incredible, like acrobatic slapstick. Uh, the scene where all three of them are on top of, uh, of the church roof and, and they're eating donuts and uh and he so mo puts uh, a donut he stuffs a donut in curly's ear and and curly says ah, i need a donut remover and larry points to a sign that says oh look at this it says do not remove and he goes do not remove <laughs> 
And then he he unscrews it, and it's a big bell that falls on Mother Superior. Played by... Larry David. <laughs> yeah. I think of that scene at least once a month. It's, I think it's so funny. But I think that one of the most important things about that movie is that the Fairley brothers just understood that the three Stooges really care about each other. Yeah. And that there's even, like, a dramatic moment where they abandon Moe. There's, like, a close-up of Moe's face just kind of, like, losing its anger as he sees them walk away. I even think that scene of Moe on Jersey Shore is really funny. Like, when he's using a cheese grater on one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that the whole movie is just really, really funny. Yeah, so and it's it's very it's it has a tone like the Fairley Brothers bring something to it too. Like they bring a very kind of like sunny, good spirited quality to mm-hmm. it that yeah. is it, it, entirely their own. <laughs> and the amazing joke where um, a father is about to adopt an orphan and he goes, "Listen, Timmy, you'll remember this day for the rest of your life because this is the day that I adopt Mo." <laughs> I heard uh, Peter Fairley on, I think it was the Nerdist podcast, where he said something like, half the reviews were off the charts great, half the reviews were incredibly mean, and and I say, if you gave everybody in the world a camera and let them make a Three Stooges movie, we still win. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. agree. They get like they get it. They all of the kind of internal logic of the Stooges, they mm-hmm. get it. And it even starts with title cards, of if it's like a short film. That I actually think is a bit of a flaw of the movie. I wish they'd really? done more with the the aesthetic of like it being three short films. Mm. I mean, it's basically just like a three act movie that they arbitrarily put uh, to title cards on. But I don't know it's a great film. Yeah, beggars can't be choosers, yeah. and it was a flop, so we'll probably never see another one. Too bad. If you don't like the Three Stooges, you're wrong. Just want to be yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, we said off Mike that I'm the Mo of the Important Cinema Club, and uh, I'm Justin, definitely the Curly. Justin's the Curly, in that you're the fan favorite, and uh, you're a bundle of id. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I laugh and I get angry all the time. But I'm, but I'm, uh, I'm the leader. Uh, I'm, I'm the most competent one, but I'm also incredibly incompetent. <laughs> and I'm very mean spirited. Oh yeah, that I agree with. Yes. All right, so. As usual, you can send us letters at importantcinemaclubpodcast at gmail.com. Doesn't need to be specifically about an episode, but if you hate the Three Stooges and you want to tell us why, send us an email. We will laugh at you. I don't want to hear from those people. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know that uh, my co-host at Loose Cannons, Matthew Kumar, hates the Three Stooges, commenting that they are for dum-dums. I think that speaks very poorly of him. And I, I would love to give him a Mo style slap to the face. And Matthew actually gave us the benefit of the doubt and watched a short with us. Plumbing We Will Go, one of the best Three Stooges short, just stone faced the entire time. We laughed very hard. Yeah. So this letter is from Dean Thompson. He goes, hey, Justin and Will, love the podcast. Thank you. I was just curious whether you have a history with or thoughts about the team up films of Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. As a kid growing up in New Zealand in the 80s, I remember that these did gangbusters on the playground of my primary school. Miami Supercops, Double Trouble, I'm for the Hippopotamus. I don't know if there's enough grist for a whole episode, but any musings would be appreciated. Dean. So, for people that don't know who Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer are, they're, um, even though their names would not indicate that, Italian comedians who wrote in on the wave of spaghetti westerns where there was a whole bunch of spaghetti westerns all in one go. And like any genre, when there's too much of it, you start making fun of it. These two guys were like the leaders of it. They made a series called the Trinity series called My Name is Trinity oh, okay. and stuff like that. And Terrence Hill is also famous for looking 
very closely to Franco Nero. So he actually starred in a bunch of Django ripoff movies. Django being a famous spaghetti. Was he in uh, Django Prepare a Coffin? That's exactly what okay. he was in. I just got the Blu-ray of that and I haven't seen it. It's, it's actually a really solid movie. Was he in uh, Super Fuzz? He stars in Super Fuzz, oh, yeah. I love Super Fuzz. And so Terrence Hill is like the skinny guy. Bud Spencer is like the big fat guy with a beard. And they were these famous comedy troupe. And personally, I don't have that much experience with them. And seeing how Will doesn't seem to know... I just blank look on my face. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you about Super Fuzz. Uh, I love it. Hey, didn't we both see it at probably the same screening at, like, Sinsu? That's right. 35mm print. Um, it, it uh, Terrence Hill plays a cop uh, who uh, something happens to him and he gets superpowers. And Ernest Borgnine is in it. <laughs> and as the trailer says, uh, he's the wackiest policeman since Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> And it ends with him on a hot air balloon, if I don't... Yeah, so, so it ends with Ernest Borgnine on the hot air balloon, and he's yelling like, Get me over here! I remember very little about that movie, and as far as those two actors go, I'm not that familiar because they did just like a bunch of silly Italian comedies. Sorry, uh, but hey, we love Super Fuzz. Yeah, love Super Fuzz. I have one more thing to say about the Stooges that I forgot to say. Go ahead. Uh, after Shemp died, there were four shorts. You know where I'm going with this, right? There were four shorts uh, oh, that yeah. are ostensibly Shemp shorts. Uh, uh, that were made up mostly of stock footage from earlier Shemp shorts, but with a couple of newly filmed scenes. And in those scenes, uh, Shemp is portrayed by a stuntman named Joe Palma, who you only see from the back. And there are also scenes of like Mo and Larry, uh, you know, trying to pad the film by, say, by saying things like, hey, Larry, where's Shemp? Oh, Shemp left us this note. He's off, uh, he's off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that stuntmaning of Shemp is where the term Shemping came from. Yeah, and fake Shemp. Uh, in all of Sam Raimi's films, you'll see in the credits, fake Shemp, and that's a stand-in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's funny uh, because it's hilariously obvious anytime you see the back of Joe Palma that it's not really Shemp. There's one point, in fact, when Joe Palma goes, like doing his catchphrase. <laughs> Which is pathetic. And also, in any of the moments when uh, Mo and Larry say, where's Shemp? You know that Mo, in the back of his head, is reminded that his brother just died. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows where Shemp is. There's a YouTube supercut of all these scenes of the fake Shemp moments, and I encourage you to look it up and stare death straight in the eye. So what are we doing next week, Will? Saijin Suzuki. Finally. Finally. Yeah. And we promised it two weeks ago, and it's about time. So like we said last time, it's going to be Tokyo Drifter and something else that we yeah. end up watching. Brandon Probably Brandon to Kill. Yeah. Yep. The classics. Yeah. And until then, my name is Justin Clue. I'm Will Sloan. Thanks for listening. So this was quite a week for me in terms of film going. I had two, I think, really transcendent movie going experiences. Uh, first of all, I went to Rochester, New York mm -hmm. for the Nitrate Picture Show at the George Eastman House. I saw uh, numerous classic films uh, on the original Nitrate film stock, which is a rare privilege. I could not go because I have no money. Yeah. And so that's why you have to become a member of our Patreon. <laughs> Become a member of the Patreon so that Justin can come with me next year. Yeah, please, please. I, I saw, God, you should have been there. It was great. I know, I would have loved it. The, the, I the, sat at home sick. I mean, nit nitrate. In my tears. The nitrate print, aside from the fact that you're technically risking death by watching it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not really. No. Uh, you know, the nitrate print of Phantom of the Opera, the 1943 Claude Rains version, the Technicolor was just gobsmacking. Night in the City, which I'd never seen before. Incredible, incredible film. Um, we saw a film from 1913, and I and uh, you know, which I think is the earliest projectable nitrate film. God, Alexander Nevsky, Blood of the Beasts, great, 
incredible all stuff. All the classics. Uh, but what else, But we also did something else this week. Yeah, uh, something that I also participated in. Which I think you're probably more eager to talk about. Yes, because I was there. What did we do? So, uh, we talked about this last episode, which that there's an Indian hit that made it to the top three of the box office called Bahubali 2. And me and Will decided we wanted to go see it in the theater. Because, you know, see it on the big screen. We don't usually go see Indian films that often, except for the big blockbusters that come. I might see three a year. Yeah. And surprisingly, it was not playing downtown at the Cineplex Young and Dundas, which usually plays more world cinema. So we had to trek all the way back into Will Sloan's hometown. <laughs> Etobicoke. <laughs> we went to North Etobicoke in the uh, uh, glamorous Rexdale neighborhood. And I was a little bit worried because we watched the first one the night before. It didn't really do too much for Will. Yeah, yeah. Didn't like it that much. So we did this long trek, worried that you couldn't buy tickets in advance, that it would be sold out or something like that. The cinema was only playing this movie and we ended up at the albion cinema in albion mall and we walked through the door and there was a line right out of the mall uh, it was packed uh, the albion cinema has two massive cavernous theaters in it um they remind me of the old like cinema palaces you see in photos and stuff and like in that. fact the hallway has uh like painted murals of like Amitabh Bakchan and Shah Rukh Khan and, and the whole gang. Uh, the, the Albion is where as a teenager, I went to see such classics as doom Two and, uh, and Joom Baraba Joom and so, Joda Akbar. I saw there as well. Lots of Om Shanti Om. I saw there lots of great classic films. So we actually ended up getting a ticket. No problem. And we sat in this giant cavernous cinema, which was mostly full. Yes. Yeah. And, we watch Bahubali 2, and when the credits started to roll, like the people in the audience just screamed their lungs out. They were so excited to see it. There was, I, this was an audience that knew to cheer anytime an awesome thing happened. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the screen was so huge, and the sound was so big. Like, we see IMAX. Why did this feel like it was, like, so massive and loud? I don't know, but, like, it reminded me of when I went to see movies as a kid, and, like, the it just seemed bigger, yeah. and, like, I was so overwhelmed by the intensity of the sound and the image. So, Bali 2, great movie. I loved it. Yep. And you actually left the theater going like, what did I, we just watched Bao Bali 1 in like the wrong, the wrong setting or something like that? Yeah, like did the, the, the series suddenly get great between <laughs> 1 and 2? And maybe it's just that you got to see it in the theater. Yeah. But I'm not so sure because Bao Bali 2 had some amazing moments in it that I think I would have liked under any circumstance. I think you described it perfectly as it was a straight-faced, non-ironic kung fu hustle. Yes, yes. <laughs> there were moments that we were like cheering at the top of our lungs, especially in the climax. And this is a like three hour and change movie just whoosh went right by as it was over you said god my face hurts from smiling so much and i felt the same way too like the whole second half of the movie i was just grinning yeah, yeah ear to ear so if you live anywhere that bahubali 2 is playing go see it yeah. go see it now yeah do it and uh watch bahubali 1 as well even though that you think the second one could stand on its own even if you haven't seen the first one I think so. Well, the films are very strangely structured because the second one begins with the main character, Bahubali, and then he does a bunch of stuff. And then and then it starts a long flashback sequence to his, his father. Which ends on a cliffhanger in the first movie. And then the second one picks up 
from that flashback cliffhanger and continues for two hours yeah. in that flashback. Well, the first two thirds of Bahubali 2 are a flashback. So if you don't know what's going on in Bahubali 1, when they pull out of that flashback, you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? But I don't know. I think people might still be able to understand it. It's like, all you need to know is that his father was this like great king warrior guy and now he is too. Yeah, and just go see that movie. Especially yeah. if you can go to an actual kind of Indian cinema. Oh yeah. Because that's the kind of experience that you want to have. It's great.